We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. They'll get back to you. 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button as well. You can go back and listen to old shows that have been archived. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to see morning, you. Scott. Good morning, Scott. How are you all this morning? Good. Uh, the rain's wonderful. ended. Everybody's going to be, we haven't floated away. <laughs> That's right. Don, you sound a little under the weather. A little bit, a little bit. All right. The uh, season. Just face Uh-oh. the wall so you don't spread any of it on us, okay? Right. All right, going to start the show off. Liras? Liras. And What's this? We're, we're not talking about that? the Italian That's currency. That's what I'm thinking. The former Italian currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, liras. Um, and, and this all started... This week, when I had a call from a client who has an investment in a lira, mm-hmm. and they were interested in having to cash some of it out. And what a lira is, is it stands for locked-in retirement account. Mm. And a lira- In Italy? It, only in Italy. So if you're an Italian client, <laughs> Not we, you do we can look after all of our Italian clients. <laughs> and uh, so a lira is a common structure- and it, it arises from the fact that somebody left their employer, so they've terminated their employment relationship, mm-hmm. and they had a pension plan at that employer. And there are basically two types of pension plans, a defined benefit pension plan, you know, you know what you're going to get every month when you retire, or a defined contribution plan, you know what you put in every month, yeah. but you're not sure what you're going to get out exactly. So those defined benefit plans, when you leave your employer, you switch jobs, sometimes you can take it with you to your next job, but in a lot of cases, we'll get clients call us, say, I've terminated my employment, I'm moving on to another company, they don't have the same kind of plan. I've been given an option sheet as to what to do with my money and can you help me out? Mm -hmm. So you're allowed to transfer those pension benefits to your own personal account, Mm -hmm. your own personal investments under what's called a lira, a locked in retirement account. And this is basically like an RRSP. So the same investments that you could use in your RSP, you can also put into your lira, you decide how the money is invested. And the biggest distinction with the lira over a regular RSP is when it comes to taking the money out. Mm-hmm. And under a regular RSP, you can elect to take out a lump sum, you can elect to convert it to a RIF and start getting a monthly income. But in the case of a lira, you have a restriction. There's a maximum amount you can take out. Why? And there's a minimum you can take out. Good question. So when you think about that pension plan, when you were the member of a pension yeah. plan and you were still working for that company, that company's plan said that you're going to reach a, a normal retirement age, say 65, or you might be able to retire with an unreduced pension at say age 60 or 58 or something like that. And then they were going to agree to pay you a set amount every year mm-hmm. with maybe some indexing along the way or maybe not. But that monthly income you were going to receive would carry on for life, right? right? And in the form of a, of a lira, what the government is trying to say or do is protect ourselves from ourselves in the, for the most part by not allowing us to drain this down to zero in, in short order. Mm-hmm. It really was money designed to produce an income for the rest of our life, mm-hmm. right? So by 
by doing that, by pr- by protecting that withdrawal rate, how much you can take out, they are limiting the risk that you're going to run out of money. Right, right. Because right. if you so run out of money, it's a protectionary thing. It's it's yeah. a it's a precautionary thing, yeah. a protectionary thing, sort of keeping our holding our hands. Yeah. So that we're if we if we're dis- if we're not that self disciplined, we're protect they're protecting us from ourselves mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So you're you're allowed to take money out or convert this to an income. So your your regular RSP goes to a RIF, mm-hmm. a lira goes to a LIF, L-I-F, which is a locked-in income fund, mm-hmm. locked-in income fund. And again, there's a minimum and a maximum that you can take out every year once you've done this conversion. So you can leave your you can leave your LIRA just like you can leave your RSP right mm-hmm. through to age 71. You don't have to do anything. You don't yeah. have to, you can, at that point, then you have to start, you have to make a decision and start taking some income. So a lot of times clients will end up with these LIRA accounts, and they'll be separate from their RSP account and their TFSA account. So it's just one more account, one more thing to keep track of. Mm-hmm. And this client called me because she had a very small account. It was worth um, four thousand seven hundred dollars right. in this lira. And she's thinking, you know what? I've, I'm a bit short right now. I've had some health issues. Can I just take this out? Mm-hmm. And so we ran into uh, the issue. I said, well, unfortunately, you're not. You, you have to be at least fifty five. There is, a, there is a category, and we're going to talk about how you can redeem it. There are some special circumstances in which you can redeem the lira. But for the most part, anybody who's listening, if you've got a lira, you pretty much are stuck with it until you decide that you're going to start, you want to get an income from it. Mm-hmm. And then when you take an income from it in Ontario, uh, you can unlock half. Right. So if you had a $200,000 lira, pension transfers, et cetera, and you've been managing that, or your advisor's been managing that, when, you, when it comes time to get an income, you can take half of it and put it into a regular RSP, and the other half has to go into this product called a LIF, L-I-F, Lifetime Income Fund. And on that 100000 the half, you can have a minimum and a maximum, but on the other half, it's completely unlocked. Right. You can take as much or as little as you want. Mm-hmm. So the government's allowing for some flexibility, and these are relatively new in terms of the options available. They really sort of sprung out of the recession, uh, the Great Recession of 2008, when people were faced with perhaps uh, job loss, they were could be struggling in terms of cash flow, and so there was some provisions allowing people to get access to these locked-in funds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they kind of, on the one hand, they're trying to protect ourselves from spending the money, but on the other hand, they gave us a real gift of here's yeah. half, take yeah. half, go yeah. and blow it if you yeah. need to. <laughs> Um, so <clears throat> in Ontario, uh, under the defined benefit plans or the regular pension plans, if you own one of these liras and you're under the age of 55, you can't redeem it under a special, a special category called small accounts. Mm-hmm. So small accounts, so anybody who has one of these liras and there's a small amount in it, like this client had $4,700, the small account ratio and is based on a calculation that is used called the YMPE. YMPE stands for the Year's Maximum Pensionable Earnings, Mm -hmm. YMPE. It also is the same number, which is the maximum amount that is used for contributing to Canada Pension Plan. So when they look at how much you take off your pay every every time you get a paycheck towards Canada Pension Plan, it's a percentage of that maximum, $55,000. Three hundred dollars for 2017. So in in the small account category, you can cash in your lira, your locked in account, if the value of the account is less than forty percent of the current year 
YMPE. Right. So this year's YMPE is 55,300. So at 40%, the account would have to be less than 22,120. Mm-hmm. So first thing out of the gate, if you're a listener, if you're over age 55 and you've got less than $22,000 in your Lira account, you can unlock it. Yeah. You can get it out under a small account provision and you can put it into your regular RSP. Mm-hmm. And I advise doing that because it's one less thing to keep track of. Yeah. And what would be the reason? Yeah. It's just, you know, there's no point in having right. two accounts yeah. with two different investment profiles, yeah. two different statements and all of that that goes yeah. with it. Why not just combine it into one? It's going to make managing your finances much, much easier. Mm-hmm. So under a small account scenario, you're over 55 in a, with a Lira. See if you can collapse it and roll it into your regular RSP. Yeah. So there's no tax implications to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and normally your, your financial institution won't charge you any fees, but you could end up with a small fee from the Ontario government just to process the paperwork allowing you of to course. do it. Of course. Of yes, course. Yes, why not? It's about a 1% thing. So it's about 220 bucks mm. on that, on, if it, you had that much. So if you had 10,000, it'd yeah. be about a hundred bucks, about yeah. 1%. So that's the small account provision. The problem with my client was that she's only 52. Mm. So she couldn't use the small, even though her small account qualifies, she's not yet 55. So then we went to, well, she said, I've been having health problems. So under the, the other options you can use for getting that money out, one of this is a big one, but it was if you have a diminished life expectancy. So under diminished life expectancy, uh, if your illness or disability shortens your life to expect it to be less than two years, mm-hmm. you have two years to live, yeah. then you can get the money out yeah. and do the same thing. You can take it as, but this case you can take it as cash. Mm-hmm. There would be, it would be taxable, uh, but, or you can put it into a regular account. Again, it might be just part of cleaning up your affairs or you might need the money mm-hmm. right, to do something with right. So that wasn't the case in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's been a bit of a prolonged illness, but certainly nothing that's going to shorten her lifespan. Mm-hmm. So then we went on to the financial hardship options. And under financial hardship options, a, a, an individual has four choices in which they can get take money out of these locked in accounts, these Lira accounts. Number one is low expected income. Mm-hmm. Number two is medical expenses. Number three is arrears on rent or a mortgage payment. So if you're behind on your rent or mortgage, or number four is payment of first and last month's rent. Okay. So we looked at her income and said, what's your income going to be for the next 12 months? And it's always looking forward. And again, the the rules here are it's 50% of that YMPE figure. So in Mm -hmm. this case, you have to earn less than 27,650. And then you have to subtract 75% of your expected earnings for the year, which are anticipated earnings. So we looked at that and we thought, you know what, you're not going to qualify under that. So we ruled out low income. We ruled out it's not wasn't an issue. They're not behind in their rent or their, their mortgage payment. Actually, they own a home, and it's not for first and last month's rent. So that left medical expenses, and we actually think that she will qualify under the medical expenses because she has incurred before her treatments for, mm-hmm. for her condition. <clears throat> She's in, is involved a lot of out of pocket, even though a lot of that has been reimbursed by her medical coverage plan. Right. She will. Uh, she'll certainly be able to look at. She can look at how much she spent in the last twelve months and what the doctor expects she'll need to spend in the next twelve months to be able to do this. Well. Will that determine form? how much she gets to take Exactly. Out? It will, exactly. Right? Yeah. So you have to justify it. You, as long as yeah. you can justify and show yeah. what the receipts for the previous 12 months. Will you only get that much, though? You can only get that much. Right, okay. Right? So it's hoping it's if it yeah. totals $4,700 uh, for last year and the next 12 months, then she'll be able to redeem that whole amount. It will be subject to tax, yeah. and there will be withholding tax on it. 
but it gets that money out of that locked-in retirement account. So these are um, the locked-in retirement accounts. You can you can and you can only do this sort of uh, withdrawal or unlocking once per year, but you can do it once per condition. So if you had a medical situation, you also had arrears on your mortgage, and you also had low income, you could you could do three mm-hmm. three applications. They all have to be separate, and of course they charge you for each one. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, locked in retirement accounts. Uh, there, so many people have them, and they're familiar because we change jobs a lot, yeah. and mm-hmm. our and our plans end up sort of trying to consolidate these locked in retirement accounts. But if you have a small one, uh, or you're in a financial hardship, or you're suffering from a diminished life expectancy, you've got the option to be able to get these things out and clean up your clean up your financial picture. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out their website, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there or even ask a question via the listener inquiry button. You can also call 905-529-7165, leave a message, and they'll get back to you. All right, starting this segment off with, are you really getting a financial plan? Does that mean they're not all equal? Well, it seems to be a different description of what does a financial plan mean <clears throat> and i you know I'm, we're seeing a barrage of different commercials right now some are pretty snappy pretty mm-hmm. I, I i actually very good one recently i like because i think it's uh somebody with a coffee cup yeah. it's got her name written on it one oh, the personalized yeah yeah you know and uh they're going on and basically they say i do not want that cookie cutter financial plan and the so-called financial planner at the other end saying don't worry we tailor make your investments for you mm. So basically the answer was, they will make a tailored-made investment plan for you. Yeah. Well, that's only a piece of the puzzle. And we've gone over this for year after year. Financial planning means a lot more than simply the investments. Um, and, and it's interesting, I just had a client come in last week and he had a so-called investment plan. He's been dealing with that person for a good 15 years, but never went through the insurance, never went through wills. In fact, he didn't have a will or power attorney, didn't know, didn't, totally um, get best use out of the RESPs. Um, he's got three three children, and they'll be going to university all within the next five, six years. Um, did the RSPs and very well done um, portfolio. Mm-hmm. But portfolio planning is just such a small part of it. And so just to reiterate what financial planning is, investment planning, absolutely, that's part of it. But taxation planning, are you getting the best you know tax plan for you for not only now, but for income splitting in the future? In retirement planning, do you actually get a, a hard copy retirement plan? How is it going to look like taking into account inflation when you buy cars, your kids going to university, things such as that? Insurance plan. And I know here's a perfect example. These people did not like insurance, but they, they don't understand the risk sometimes. And I don't think anybody really likes insurance. No. Personally, I'm not a big insurance fan. Yeah. Okay. But I still have house insurance. Mm-hmm. I still have a fire. I, I certainly wouldn't want my house to go on fire. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I wish I spent that $500 because now I don't have this you know, $500,000 house. So it's the idea of our insurance is risk protection. And that is such an important part to make sure that all your well-laid plans go, do, go sideways yeah. because of a, an illness or a death. <clears throat> I'm estate planning. Um, guardians for the kids if you're a younger couple. And then of course, how do you disperse assets as you get assets? 
um, you know, as your net worth gets larger, what's the best way from an estate plan? And so important, and I think this is the most overlooked area and we've talked about before is the cash management. You know, how many people love to write down what they spend on hydro last month and their sell bill and their Tim Hortons? I know Andy uh, has a pretty good... <laughs> the uh, worst part <laughs> of the meeting with these guys is when they sit at your kitchen table and they go, all right, where does it all go? And you got to write out that plan. And that's when you look at your spouse and you go, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. It's, it's, very, it's really an eye-opening experience, isn't it? You know, it? and no one ever argues. It's just, it's not it's, until you leave. It's so polite. It's so polite. <laughs> There's some sideways glances. All right. That's right. Yeah. A couple of snake eyes here and there. So, anyway, yes, returns are part of it. Investment portfolios are part of it. But really, the big picture. And again, this is why we do this show. We want to go over all the difference of financial planners. Andy was just talking about locked in retirement accounts. How do you get the best use out of those? Okay. Well, that, that's a strategy. And, and, in putting the pieces together, every single person is a puzzle. And what we, jo- we do is try to say, what's the most effective way? Because you've got to make, take compromises. It'd be nice to maximize the RSP, but we can't, we can't overlook the, the kid's education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there was no limit on the amount of money, yes, we can do it all. But what's the best order we should be doing things? And the great thing is, is you guys run the numbers on that stuff. So you figure out and you tell people what's the best way to go. It's all coordinated. And uh, so, you know, I was thinking about that same commercial that you're referring to. And so if that person is only licensed to talk about investments, then it's not a financial plan because they're not incorporating insurance and risk management. What would happen if you died prematurely? What would happen if you had a disability and you weren't able to work? How would that affect your plan? How much is at risk here? And and what would it cost to protect you under those situations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, the the whole uh, designation of a a certified financial planner. Uh, This is a designation that takes a minimum of 40 hours just to keep Never mind the three years work experience and, and passing through these university courses to get in the first place. So no, it's a, it, it's a serious designation and a financial plan is certainly more than investments. And for sure, we will be looking through the investments, but there's just a lot more to it. That's kind of the tip of the iceberg. And to be honest, it's actually part of the, it's actually the easier part. Yeah. The uh, more strategic mm-hmm. part is putting the other parts together, which is uh, what I, personally, I know we, I love the, the mental challenge of that part as you're saying, okay, well, what if, uh, you know, your spouse takes a few years off to raise kids or what if you retire early by a couple of years or what if you work a little bit longer? What if you go part time? Should you be taking your OAS or CPP a little later or earlier? You know, these are, there's so many variables and this is, these are all things that go into a, a true financial plan. And these are all things, too, that people don't have the time to manage even one of these segments, let alone all of them, which is the great thing that you guys do. Well, some people have a propensity to be able to, to do this or yeah. are fascinated by it. Some people like it. it. Yeah. Some yeah, people like it. it. Yeah, yeah. And what, but what happens is it's hard to maintain your momentum. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is that the rules suddenly change. They, yeah. um, the strategies change. Uh, the tax laws change. Uh, you know, so all of that, if you're not on top of it, you can quickly find that you your do-it-yourself plan has drifted away or there's gaps in it. And yeah. that's that's where it becomes serious. It's hard to maintain. That's that's the biggest issue. And, and sometimes the stuff that you don't know that you don't know. You know, you when you go to the doctor and somebody says, did you ask the doc about this? Oh, I never thought to ask yeah. about that. Yeah. You know, because you don't know to ask that question. You're, you're not aware of the, those things. And the very same thing, that's why we bring all this stuff in great detail and try to find out what makes you tick as a, as a client and how to accomplish your goals at the most effective way possible, you know, using all the strategies we can. Investments are just a part of it. So that anyway, as I, as I, I, 
we're seeing a lot of commercials. I love the, some of these commercials, very well done. But again, I think they're addressing simply the investment portion and not the financial planning portion, which at the end of the day can add far more value than simply the investments. Because investments, at some degree, they're going to be reasonably similar if you create a good portfolio. But the investment plans will be the, the big difference between so the, one person and the next. So the big comfy couch shouldn't be enough just to get you into the office? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on to the next thing here. <laughs> well, Scott, if you had to guess. No, I shouldn't have said anything. No, you're <laughs> no, you're gonna time. Exactly. No, <laughs> I'm I shouldn't should have opened my mouth here. I should have just kept quiet. <clears throat> would you think what would have more risk or, or more variability or, or a, a harder number to predict? Which way the stock market will go in the next decade? Or how many years you will spend in retirement? Which do you think is harder to wow. predict? Wow. I would say... Stock market um, performance over the next decade or how long you'll live? How long you'll live. Well, that's uh, interesting. We'll see if you're right here, Scott. Oh, I have to wait for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. From a stock market perspective, if you had a dollar and you invested it in the 40s, okay, you would end up with about 250. If you, for the 50s, you'd end up with about 550. Great return. So you can see the variability there. If you did it in the 60s and 70s and 80s all the way through, it turns out the average is about $3.25. Meaning you put a dollar at the very January 1st of any decade, and by December 31st at the end of the decade, on average, it would be $3.25. Now, I'll tell you right now, there isn't one decade that got you $3.25. Okay, it's kind of like the average family is, you know, two and a half kids. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. But what they've done, they looked at the difference between the average in each year. And for example, the decade of the 2000s was zero return in the US. Hmm. So that was a $3.25 difference. But then other ones were a little closer than that. Well, it turned out the average distance was $1.80 from that. And it, and it looked like there was, it turned out to be 55% variability of predicting. <clears throat> so if you had to say, okay, it's a th- your dollar is going to be worth $3.25, 10 years later, there's a 55% chance you're going to be close to that. Yeah. Okay, that's a very, that's a, that's a, and that's how they measure risk. Right. How much does it go up and down? Okay. Well, interesting enough, if you took the obituary column in the spectator, and you, and you just randomly over the next You know year. you're getting old, Don, when you're looking at the obituaries. <laughs> yeah, Is that what you're doing now after the show? <laughs> <laughs> and you said, okay, all the people that hit 65, anybody under 65, we won't, we won't, we won't count them because right. they never made retirement. But anybody over 65, how long did they live? It's quite interesting. Some people are like, you know, three months into retirement and unfortunately they, yeah. they die. And then other ones... You see the Celebration 100. Yeah. They hit 100. Yeah. Okay. And it turns out that you couldn't get this answer wrong, Scott. Mm. The variability between the stock market over the next 10 years and guessing how long you're going to retire, how long you'll be in retirement after 65, is about the same chance. Really? Yes. Huh. It's one. <laughs> we, so I was right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you got this one right. <laughs> No matter which way I answer. Always trying to make you look good. (laughs) (laughs) Someone has to. So, but life expectancy has gone up dramatically. And you go back to 1921 and 
know, I guess that plays a large factor into this as well, right? Oh, longevity yeah. risk. Yeah. Massive. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. I don't know if the variability would have changed that much. It's interesting because when you look at, uh, so it, based on that obituary study, the, the average person lived about 19.7 years into retirement. So right. almost age 85, right? But the variability, some people lived uh, 11 years longer. Mm. So they made it till 96. Yeah. And some people, or 11 years shorter. Way, yeah. So they died on average about, uh, you know, 69. Uh, so, or sorry, seven, uh, six, 64, uh, 74. So basically you have that variability of 22 years that you could live yeah. longer or shorter. Yeah. But that's the same variability as the stock market. The mm-hmm. same amount of fluctuation as the stock that's market. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Over Again, we love our numbers here. So, <laughs> But, you know, more precisely, the remaining lifetime of a 65-year-old Canadian, and they basically run at standard deviation, minus one standard. It's kind of like the bell curve when you mm-hmm. went to university. Yeah. Okay. If you take a look of, of all the data between negative one standard deviation and in positive one standard deviation, that covers about a six seventy percent of all data. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically seventy percent of the chance time you're going to live between if you retire to sixty five, you're going to die somewhere between seventy four and ninety two. That's seventy percent of all the data. Yeah, but that tells a, some of the story. What about all those people that are living past that? Yeah. But for that matter, how many people are actually planning to live to ninety two? Mm. For that matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. There's a, a lot of people, and this is actually about five-year-old data, but in number of Canadians that are, are now over 100, how many would you figure there might be? It's gone up a lot in the last 20 years. I it's know that. Tons. It wouldn't, before it it used to be a novelty. You get your name in the paper, oh, picture, yeah. everything. Yeah. Right now, there's 5,825. Really? Okay. And that's a little old data. I'm sure it's higher yeah. now. Okay. Is and that Canadians? That's mm-hmm. Canadians. Canadians. Yeah. 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 Um, people over age 90 is 257,000. Yeah, it'd be huge. Okay, that's a that's a large number. Yeah. Now, those are outliers, but they're becoming more of the norm. Yeah. And these are what we have to plan for. Now, this is the important part. <clears throat> what percent of the people over 100 are female? I would say 70. Well, not too, too high. far off. No, a little lower, actually. 84% are really? female. Wow. So if you can make it to so 100, So it's not Scott, my job. It's my wife's to plan for this. <laughs> There's some truth to that. Um, if, you're, ones, if you're a single male over the age of 100, oh. you have about four girlfriends around you at any given time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seven, seven to one. That means three are having a nap. That's wow. Right. That's worth uh, taking care of yourself right there, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and the percent of females over age 90 are 72%. And so couples do live longer also. So the chance of a longer yeah. life expectancy, mm-hmm. but still the odds are the husband will die first and the wife will, mm-hmm. will live a longer life and a very good chance they're going to live to that longer, you know, that longer time frame. And that's what we got to plan for, mm-hmm. that longevity risk. So... What, at the end of the day, you, it wasn't a big deal before because there was lots of different pension funds. Mm-hmm. Okay, we had a lot of people in the old days, you know, you worked at whatever company and you, first of all, they supplied you a defined benefit plan of some yeah. sort. Um, and you got a pension the, as long as you lived. But it wasn't a big risk for the company anyway because people were going to live that long anyway. Well, as you know, you don't see a lot of defined benefit plans anymore. No. In fact... Defined benefit plans in Canada, um, 
out of 177 would be in the public sector. You know, forgetting about the economy and affording these, would we have even been able to do this considering longevity now? I mean, considering how science has allowed people to live longer, you know, because a lot of people say it's the economy, why we don't have these pension plans anymore. But really, considering the the, uh, the demographic and, and the population within it, could they have ever afforded to keep those it's plans? A very, it's a risky thing. How much money do you have to put aside? Yeah, no, no matter what the economy is Exactly. Yeah. To be able to pay for pay for somebody living to 110 you yeah. know, versus, uh, you know, 70. Well, <laughs> so, retiring as exactly. long as they were living. Or exactly. sorry, retiring as long as they were working. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and pensions have been around mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Okay, you go back. Yeah, I guess when do, you, when do you think the first pension was, the first documented pension annuity was was uh, discovered or created? I would say it would be after the Depression. So mm. 30s, 40s, 30s, late 30s? Drum roll, 550 B.C., what? <laughs> 550 BC. And it was in the, it's in the Bible, the Kings, the Kings, uh, the second version of Kings chapter 25 verses 27 to 38. And it came to pass that the King of Babylon did lift up the head of the King of Judah out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him. And he said, eat bread continually before him all the days of his life. And he basically guaranteed him a pension for life of bread. A bread. Yeah. I kind of like the King Edward the Third one myself. <laughs> uh, he was granted. Well, it's a more enjoyable one. That's yes. right. <laughs> um, from a, a 35-year-old poet, a gallon of wine daily Yeah, for the rest of his life. And that's good for your health, I understand. That was in 1343. So. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> the idea of, of, of giving um, some subsidence for the rest of your life has been going a long time, but now it's going in, in the terms of money. Well, What's you know, it? it's funny you bring that up because now when they talk about your reimbursement, they just don't tell you your pay. They give you the long list of, well, you get this in medical, you get right. this in whatever, you get that. So mm-hmm. it's sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You get this in bread. Yes. Get this in wine. Yes. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the future. Possible. Well, you know what? <laughs> Giving uh, us food stamps in our pension. We started sending, uh, you know, LCBO uh, gift certificates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's right. Sure, why not? The, mm. It may go a long ways. But uh, so the, the bottom line here is you, you do have to protect yourself. CPP and OAS uh, might be what we consider the defined benefit plan because some of your base. Mm-hmm. But for some, that may not be enough. And you may want to have a guarantee pension for part of it. And this is where an annuity would make sense. So you should be discussing your with your financial planner if an annuity is necessary or makes sense or something that you should consider just because of your risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. And that might be your fixed income portion of your portfolio in terms of your retirement going forward. And then you can maybe go aggress- more aggressive with the other part of your portfolio. So fixed with interest rates so low, the annuity area might make sense for you now. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Going to talk about uh, sequence of returns. What is this? Exactly. So, you know, we were talking last section about uh, the uncertainty in predicting the stock market, the uncertainty mm-hmm. in, pre- in predicting, you know, how long will you live and your years in retirement. And the, what we do know, I mean, bear market. Markets, when the stock market go, goes down, they're, they're, they're inevitable. There's no doubt it's going to happen. Yeah. But the question is, would you rather have them now or later when it comes to retirement? Mm-hmm. And we know that if you, th- if you had one investment and it was $100,000 and it earned 
27 plus 27 percent in year one plus seven percent in year two and minus 13 percent in three years year three we know that your average return would have been seven percent mm-hmm. right so the question is if you retire and you earned and let's those are the only returns you could ever get mm-hmm. you either got min- plus 27 seven or minus 13 and in fact every three years the cycle just rotated and that's what you got in terms of your rate of return right all the way through you're averaging seven but as you retire and you begin to withdraw money is it better to have good a bear market at the beginning or a bear market at the end Mm. and so when you pull those numbers together the first one that we that i just i'll I'll point out is the the easiest one which is seven percent so if you earn seven percent every year and you and you didn't ever get any variability, we know that your money would run out. And let's assume on your $100,000, you take out 9,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So you take out 9,000 a year, you start at age 65, that's 750 a month, and you get 7% every year, your money will run out exactly at age 86. So that's it. So at 7% straight return, your money will last to age 86. Mm-hmm. And that's how most financial plans are, are, are built. They don't um, have any variability. Because it's very easy to simply put in an average. But in reality, the order of how you get these returns make a big difference, as Andy's going to show. Yeah. So in, the, in, so in the next example, let's say you get, we go back to our randomness of return, and we've got those sequence, right? Minus, uh, minus 27, sorry, plus 27, minus 13, and 7%. So let's say you get plus 7% the first year. You get minus 13% the second year, and then plus 27% the third year. Well, that's we call that a we'll say we call that a clockwise rotation. Well, it ends up because you ended up with seven percent the first year, and then that minus thirteen as you're taking money out. Your money instead of lasting to age eighty six only lasts to age eighty three. Hmm. So you lose three years because of that sequence of return. And then how can you at the end of the day, though, you have no control over this, do you? Well, this is it. So what we're trying to understand then is what impact do we have to account for from your retire your financial plan, your retirement plan to specifically to account for this, right. right? And so the opposite, let's say the opposite happens and you get uh, plus seven percent, plus twenty seven percent, and then minus thirteen. Mm-hmm. In that case, you had two strong years followed by a bad year, a bear market in the third year. Well, in that case, your money lasts till age 89, so three years longer. Mm -hmm. So the difference between whether you got uh, a bear market in the first year versus you got a bear market in your third year of retirement is six years worth of income. Hmm. Six years worth of income is the variability to that. And so the sequence of returns, and we simulate this through something we call a Monte Carlo analysis. And basically what we're doing is we're stress testing the performance of your portfolio based on how volatile it is. Mm -hmm. And this can tell us the odds of running out of money. And will will it last long enough? Or what odds do we have in terms of it making through to the end of your life? So if you think about it, it's kind of like a, a weather forecast to some extent. Right. If we said it's a 100% chance of rain or snow or freezing rain, you know you know it's coming. If we said it's a 50-50 chance, well, I'm not sure. Maybe right. I'll make it or maybe I won't. Uh, anything less than that obviously is concern. Anything more than the room sort of, sort of this graduated what-if scenario. Do I bring my umbrella or not? You know, that's kind of thing. So, so theoretically, is it better if you're retiring that the market is good or not so good in picking up? For example, if you're 65 now and retiring. Yep. So based on those three three options for return, getting a bear market your first year, 
getting a bear market in your second year or getting a bear market in your third year, clearly having a bear market in the first year of your it's retirement best, is, yeah. is terrible. Oh, it's, it's terrible. Worse. It's terrible. Yeah, having it's worse. Beer, beer being a... Because you're, you're, you're right, drawing right, money right, out right, right. every month yeah. and the, your portfolio falls 27%. It goes down, right. And right. so sense, yeah. be able to recoup from that, it has to have strong performance, but it can never get back to the same mm-hmm. and it will end three years sooner than right, the average. Right, right, yeah, if you If you had to pick the optimal way to do this, You'd actually have, say, the 27% year the first year. Mm-hmm. That would be great. The yep. plus seven the next year, and then the minus 13 the last year. Right. And then repeat that all the way through. You'd actually run out of money at age 95. Yeah. And again, the worst case scenario, as Andy mentioned, was if you went minus 13, had that bear market the first year, followed by not such a great year the next year, plus seven, and the great year the third year of 27, you'd run out of money at 81. So even though the average return is still seven both ways, right, there's right. no difference. Right. The order of the sequence or, or the sequence says retur- yeah. of returns. And there's a 14-year gap before between when one person would run out of money yeah. versus another. And yet you look at the, the reports and say, well, we both average 7%. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's hard to convey the importance of this. But it, it's, it's to allow for it in your overall exactly, plan. and this is yeah. just one more kind of wrinkle in a financial plan that Andy and I do is that Monte Carlo analysis. So it's just a safeguard, mm-hmm. you know, just just to make sure we we've gone through the checks and say, okay, here's that chance, as Andy mentioned. What's your chance of surviving your retirement or or lasting to age 95, 92, whichever age we pick? Does this determine when people will retire? In other words, if it's not doing too well, yeah. maybe I'll hang on That's for a little really bit until it goes Especially, up again. So this is critical in the in the couple of years leading up to your retirement and the couple of years as you're heading into retirement. Right. So the two years before and the two years after are absolutely critical. And that does that actually determine when some people will retire? Will they say on an extra year or two? Or we've had conversations yeah. with clients. I remember Don, we were talking about it. You know, you should hold off. Yeah, yeah. Or, or certainly those major purchases if you're already retired. You know, don't get the car this year. I know it was in our budget this year. Yeah. Wait till the following year. Don't pull it out when it's down. So the, again, this is on your annual review with your financial planner. You should right. be going over these things. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button or go back and listen to old archive shows. All right, uh, into the new year. Let's talk about market returns. How did we do in 2016? Yeah, 2016, what an interesting year. We, we, we were going into January, and it was like bad day after yeah, bad day after that. bad day, and it's like week after week, and there, there's doom and gloom, like here's the next recession. And uh, it turned out, if you took a look at the Canadian, U.S., Europe, or emerging markets, which area do you figure went, did the best, Scott? Uh, U.S., no, yeah, and I would have thought that actually with all the attention with the mm-hmm. election and so forth and yeah. the Trump bump, they called yes. it. But no, Canada by far was the best performing market. Hmm. It did 21.08%. And when you saw the market go down, I don't know what it was, 5 or 6 7% in, in January, and you, if I were to say, you know what, the market will be ending up over 20% by the end of the year, yeah. I don't think there'd be a whole lot of people believing me. Yeah. And the thing is also- Weren't the, people buying in in January? <laughs> I guess not. Oh, they're selling more because yeah. the market kept going down. But the uh, 2015, the same year, Canada was down 8%. It was one of the worst performing market. 
And I know there's a lot of clients that are saying, well, you know what, Canada's not going to do well, and, and they're perhaps looking at ways they should get money out of Canada after a negative year. Well, I know Andy and I, we always talk about rebalancing, and especially when you saw the U.S. Um, last year, it did 20%. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. did 20% and, and Canada did minus 8 Well, wouldn't it make sense? Let's get off that uh, Canada train and let's get on this U.S. train. That's where the money's to be made. Well, as it turned out, Canada did 21, and the Dow Jones did uh, 10%. Okay, so far out. Still, I I take 10% in the end of the week. Still a very good return. And the Standard Poor's 500 did 8.77. So it's just a broader broader index. Um, As it turned out, Europe was uh, minus 3.2. And could have had something to do with the whole Brexit thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, emerging markets actually had a reasonably good year at 8%. Mm -hmm. So fairly solid performance last year. And I don't think the experts got anything particularly right. They didn't get Brexit right. Yeah. And they didn't get the election right. Yeah. And they didn't get the fact that if Trump did get in, the markets would go up. Yeah. And we had a a very solid... Um, last couple months. And who would have thought that after the way the year started? Oh, there's not a chance. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of clients actually at that time, you know, I'd be getting a few emails or calls saying, you know, maybe we should go on the sidelines. Yeah. And again, these are, this is part of a, a job of a financial planner is to make sure that, you know, you're not letting emotion run your portfolio. I remember this vividly exactly this time last year. Uh, a lot of clients will be will contacting them about topping up their TFSA plans. So mm-hmm. fifty five hundred dollars. At that point, you know you could put in ten grand, right? Yeah. So uh, this, I can't tell you how much more difficult it was mm-hmm. to get people to put money into their TFSAs because yeah. the Canadian market was down. It had been negative eight percent up until the end, of, and it continued to dive in January mm-hmm. another four or five percent. So it was yeah. down about 14 percent over yeah. the course of one year, and so people were hesitant. And we just are not programmed to buy low. Yeah. And so now this year, guess what? Yeah. Phone's Everybody ringing, wants in. Phone's ringing yeah. off the hook. Yeah. Let me put my money in now. Yeah. It's already high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's always that one area that it does did it incredibly well, and that area last year was our Canadian National Resource Fund. It did fifty three percent last year. Mm-hmm. So, wow. So you know, you imagine you put hundred thousand in, it'd be worth one hundred fifty three thousand a year later. Yeah. And, and as Andy mentioned... Did you, a, do, did you guys do that for me? <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> In fact, I, this is a, one of my least, my least favorite funds. I, I rarely use this fund because of the volatility. And it's kind of interesting. If you just look at it and say, well, the 13-year track record is 9.62%. Well, that's pretty good. That's a long-term track yeah. record. Even the 10-year track record is 5.6. The 8-year record is, is 13%. So this is a good fund. Why would I want to put money into it? Well, as it turns out, because the variability is so great, its seven-year return is actually minus 5% a year. Hmm. Its six-year return is minus 11. So you can imagine, if you stuck in $100,000 eight years ago, it'd be worth 261000 right now. Say, hey, this is a great fund. But if it's only there for six years, your hundred grand would be worth only fifty grand. You would have lost half your money. Hmm. And when I say variability, I just got to read off some of these numbers. They're startling. So in 2008, the market went down... This fund went down 50%. Well, the next year, it went up 138%. Yikes. Okay. And then it went up another 30 Well, as Annie mentioned, with those type of years, everybody was talking about this natural resource fund. Yeah. And I said, don't worry about it. This is, you know, you're buying oil stocks. You're buying a lot of things. 
this is almost like the tech boom. Mm-hmm. And people were buying lots of oil boom, uh, oil stocks. And not too different right, right now. Marijuana stocks are the hot topic. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. very similar. Legalization. Well, sure enough, the next number of years, minus 24, minus 13, minus 32, minus 25, minus 24. One, two, three, four, five, six negative years in a row. Mm-hmm. And then finally it goes up 53% again. Yeah. Well, do you think anybody's actually hanging in there to see that 53%? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Andy. Attaboy, Andy. <laughs> what a go. <laughs> That's why you're the financial planner. <laughs> and, and all I'm, and when you're talking about a, a, somebody's a retirement sequence of returns, as we just talked mm-hmm. about, you don't want this variability. Yeah. Because if you're pulling money out and it's had a negative year, you're going to run out of money. That, it's okay when it had a 53% year and you're taking money out. But you imagine if your 100000 went down to 75000 mm-hmm. plus you're taking out money yeah. um, on top of that you'll run out of money very quickly. Yeah. So you'll need to have that relatively conservative portfolio to make sure you never run out of money. We have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them now and leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows and also ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, that's it for another show. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll Thanks, catch Scott. you next week. Thanks, Take Scott. care.